Well, my friends, what are you going to do about us today, huh? Welcome once again to to, uh, Poets of the East. Uh, I am uh, your co-host, Rick Spizak, and I have with me today, as always, uh, to my great honor, my friend Misha Danduta. Misha, welcome. Good evening. Thank you very much for inviting me also um, within this episode. Thank you for uh, putting together this, uh, I dare say, wonderful episode and uh, quite special within uh, the context of uh, our uh, poetical uh, poetical serial. Um, I think our listeners are going to be pleasantly surprised by the uh, by the constellation we put together today, respectively a scholar, a performer, and a young voice from UK, from Romania, respectively from the Czech Republic. I think there is going to be a real show. Absolutely. You know, uh, Misha, you have introduced so many wonderful poets to us. And as good as they are, and there has not been one that was anything but stellar. On this episode, my friend, you have outdone yourself. You have brought us some absolutely incredible voices. And uh, why don't you go ahead and say a word or two about our first guest. I'm happy and honored to introduce, and I will I will try to make it as short as possible because there is a um, the recent quite detailed introduction on the record to Stu Wallace Shadad, a very special poet from the UK, um, a very uh, erudite and intellectual voice, a poetess that is home almost always, almost everywhere on the world, as she has worked for the British Council and she lived in a couple of uh, in a couple of countries. And she presented her poetry there. Uh, she successfully presented her poetry there. She's an author. Uh, she's a very balanced author, a uh, classical one, uh, with that, uh, with that uh, very spatial. In the same time, in the same time, serious and in the and uh, also a spontaneous voice, a classical voice of the poetry. Um, an adept of uh, a poetry that it is classical from all uh, from all the points of view, uh, especially and mainly uh, from the point of view of the uh, of the quality, uh, and also it is the main proof and the most important that uh, the classical style of poetry is never too tired, is never too fable, is never. To, uh, is never too uh, exhausted in order to be able to be present, uh, still present in the contemporary literature, and uh, also a great proof that there is no, uh, not such a big difference between the classical, the modern, the contemporary, the impro- improvised poetry, but the main and the biggest differences between the bad poetry and the great poetry. And today we have really three great poets. First of them, professor and former cultural diplomat, Sue Wallace Shadad. And here we go. 
Sue Wallace Shaddad, welcome to Poets of the East. Thank you very much. I'm delighted to be here. Well, it's our great pleasure. And uh, what I'd like to do is ask you to talk a little bit about your early years. When did you find out that you were a writer? Well, I, I discovered um, when going through my mother's things that I'd written a poem when I was 12. And I can see my style isn't that different. And I wrote, <laughs> I wrote some poems when I was at university about meeting my husband-to-be, which I put down as being, uh, you know, just uh, vagaries of romance, really. But it always stayed in my head. I had a particular line that I remembered, which was, pent winding ink and that line stayed with me all through the years and about 15 16 years ago I started writing I always thought I would start writing and um, I started writing more poetry and then I retired in 2014 and really decided poetry was what I was going to do and um, I've just graduated with a master's degree in writing poetry I've had a book published so I'm I'm off now it's a shame I didn't do it 50 years ago, but hey. <laughs> well, you know, there's that old saying, we'll never be younger. So today is the first day and all that sort of thing. Uh, I don't think it's ever too late to start writing. And when when people I meet tell me, oh, you know, I'm not sure I could. I say, well, look, can you hold a pen? Can you type <laughs> on a typewriter on a computer? Then start. And I, I'm so glad to hear that. Um what is the name of your new book? It's called A City Waking Up, and it's poems about Khartoum in Sudan. I was married to a Sudanese academic, and I visited the country for over 40 years, and but never written about it. So I, in 2016, I, on a visit there, I wrote quite a large number of poems. And then two years ago, when they had political protests, and I was watching it from afar, I wrote some more poems. So I've put all that together in this short collection. You know, there's some some folk wisdom has surfaced in the last few years that we should take advantage of crises. Do you think that the crises of what we what's colloquially called the Arab Spring has it produced some good? Obviously, it's it's done damage to a lot of people, but has there some good come from it? Mm. Well, there was a tremendous flowering of. Um, um, creativity at the time when, um, you know, in terms of things like protests and how those were reflected in the arts at the time. Because in my job, I used to work for the British Council and I used to look after the Middle East. And, you know, it was really fascinating to see how artists responded to what was going on. And in Sudan, when they had their protest two years ago, the artists got out and just drew and painted all over the walls. But then later that, that that was all whitewashed away which is such a shame there were fantastic pieces of art um there so i think um i think people are driven to express their feelings in one form or another in a crisis and whether it's an art form or poetry it's a really powerful way of connecting with other people um and i think that's that's just so important really in in, in today's world you have to be able to connect with other people I, I was going to say, you know, it seems that there's some some interesting dynamics in our modern <laughs> civilization uh, where on the one hand, 
democracy, representative government seems to be in a crisis in a lot of places, and yet there's still people bumping up against the oligarchs, against the royals, against monarchies, against the oligarchs, and and you know it seems that there's some been some retrenchment in the democratic West or what we might call the representative government West, and uh, yet people are still fighting oligarchs uh, in the Middle East uh, and in the Far East. What? How do you? How does this all look to you? You know, you have a personal experience with those governments, and and you sit in a country that has this an interesting mix of both royalty and sort of representative government. What do you, what are you thinking about this? Oh, that's a very very deep question. I'm not sure I'll be able to answer that very well. Well, I never ask uh, easy questions. <laughs> I think that we all have to really um, pay attention to the responsibilities that we have as individuals to create the kind of society that we want. And the other thing I would say is that I'm always impressed and sometimes frightened by the fact that the amount of power an individual can have on shaping our lives. So, I mean, if you, if you take those two things together, um, what happens in a country, and, and it's, whether it's democratic or become authoritarian, is actually a lot about the balance between those things, so how far you give power to individuals, how far you exercise power yourself, um, as a voter or as somebody who stands up against authority. Um, so I think it's sometimes very easy to blame other people, but at the end of the day, we've all got a personal responsibility. So I don't know if that sort of answers your question. In the sure, sort of way. sure. You know, I, I can't help but think of, uh, you know, on the one hand, uh, we have this curious experience in America in the last few months where a startling number of people seem to reject the idea of democracy out of hand and are prepared to steal the government if they can't win it. Uh, and, and at the other hand, you know, we see people bravely, bravely, you know, giving their lives in opposition to tyrants uh, across the globe. It, it's, it speaks to the human condition. It, it talks about our our tragedies and our triumphs, uh, it's a remarkable time. Yes. No, and I think what's important in poetry is that you hear lots of different voices, you know, because I, I was very struck here in the UK listening, well, that's actually in a poetry um, um, recording, listening to different poets talking about their experience. These were uh, American poets and they were diametrically opposed to each other. And seeing it was rather unexpected for a British person to see the, the depth of this divide in America at the moment. Um, but, you know, you could say there's that kind of divide here in the UK as well at times. Um, so people had a different, each person has a different voice, which, you know, is salutary to hear the different voices because you have to understand the other voices in order to come to some kind of agreement. My work, um, when I worked for the British Council, was all about creating connections between the UK and other countries and understanding other cultures and working uh, with other cultures as well. Um, so I think that's 
you know, certainly affected how I think about the world. That must have been an interesting seat. Uh, I'm, I'm sort of envious. I, I've always been uh, always curious about other cultures and, and try to have some, I'll say sympathy, but I try to listen with the inner ear. Uh, I, I became intrigued by the idea of comparative religion. I read really widely the Bible, the Koran, the Upanishads, the Ramayana, uh, the Koran, uh, the books of the dead. And so I, I wanted to try to get a, a sense of, of those different perspectives, you know. So uh, my academic work in anthropology was, was just a tremendous, uh, something I enjoyed a lot. Uh, I was wondering, we've been talking here for a few minutes, uh, haven't heard one of your poems yet. Um, now, you are welcome to treat on the human condition or political conditions, my dear. Anywhere you want to go, take us along. Okay, well, um, I will I will read a few. As we, I've talked a bit about Sudan, I'll read a few from my new collection, and then if you have time later, I can read some other ones. Um, a City Waking Up. Streets deserted, early light hides the heat of day. Pastel green houses dot the khaki landscape, scattered like fresh mint. The roads still puddled with stormwater from the previous night. Queues of children wait for rickety Amjad to take them to school. In daily ritual, herdsmen gather for black tea in checkered shade, their scrawny sheep destined to be killed for celebratory events. By the roadside, sacks of onions and charcoal lean unsteadily, over full. Flat bread, pyramids of cucumber, tomatoes ready to be sold. Soon the sun overwhelms this fragile pool. The city stirs and minarets call to prayer. This Very poem. nice. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, a poetic postcard, if you will. <laughs> Well, what I say about this short collection is that it, it takes you to Sudan in Africa without having to get on a plane, which is quite nice at this time. Oh, pro probably the, the best way to enjoy it from our point of view. Um, this one is, has got a slight ecological flavor, um, again, about the River Nile in Sudan. Legacy. Along the side of the road, ubiquitous plastic chairs cluster for passing trade. A white plastic bag overtakes dragonflies dancing around the acacia trees. One bag among many, it had its uses till it was thrown away. Now it roams free, a garland for dusty shrubs, hazard for hungry goats. The view of half-built homes overlooks a field of white, an unexpected inland sea. Very nice. Very nice. And the next one is about a dust storm, which they get, um, which covers the whole city in sand, really. Um, but I used that po poem as one to introduce the more political ones, just at the very end of the um, collection. A lot of the other poems are about family life and weddings and food. But I'll read Dust Storm, and then I'll read one uh, which is com comes across perhaps a bit shocking afterwards. Pabu, Dust Storm. Sultry air pouts with the promise of an imminent storm. On the horizon, trees are rubbed out by billowing dust. 
a whirling dervish of wind, sends sand into every corner, suffocating, burying the city in a film of dirt. Unseen ghosts screech into life, shapes become shadows as the desert smothers us in its sticky embrace. Very nice. Very nice. And this one is Wake Up Call, Khartoum, January 2019. Practically headless, throat splashed like a sacrificial lamb. He lolls, doll-like, blood gushing out. Arms stretch out to help drag him away. Not in time. He dies, wasted but not totally in vain, as I and others on mobile phones 3,000 miles away see the horror, the pain. And it's clear as we absorb the scene that the punishment did not fit the crime. A plea for bread, a stable life. Wow. Powerful. Powerful. Thank you. Um, no, there were, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that, you know, when you, we get all these images thrown at us by, you know, by television, by Facebook, whatever, and uh, it was quite interesting to um, see how I, how I reacted to them. You know, it's a sort of secondary experience because you're not there on the spot but you can still have a very visceral um, response. Well, that's the end of our first segment with uh, Ms. Uh, Sue Wallace Shaddad. Uh, any, any reactions to that powerful, powerful poetry, Misha? Well, actually, I feel like not repeating, but stressing what I was saying at the beginning, that the relationship between this uh, academic, this uh, uh, classical and uh, very engaged, artistically engaged way of writing poetry and uh, the artistic quality uh, is just perfect in this case. And uh, uh, it, it was quite an, it was quite an, uh, quite wonderful to hear uh, again after uh, a couple of good months something uh, so classical and in the same time so good, so elaborated, so complex from imagistic and uh, intellectual point of view. And if you want also from the point of view of the sound, also from the point of view of the rhythm, because Sue works great also with the rhythm and with the uh, with the rhyme of the rhyme of the uh, of the poetry, um, uh, really, um, it is a really uh, a real happiness uh, to uh, to be in uh, to be to let oneself being transported into this uh, into this uh, universe. Uh, a real a real universal poet, a poet whose uh, poems are understandable in any kind of translations, not that those translations would be very easy to do, but this is a different thing. Thank you, sir. And now, segment two with Miss Sue Wallace Shadat. And welcome, Misha. Good to see you, sir. Welcome, <laughs> so welcome, everybody. Happy to, to see all of you here. It seems uh, exceptionally, incredibly, the connection works, which... Uh, <laughs> Which is just uh, just incredible. I guess 
this, this, this should be Andre's magic, which is uh, with uh, some beer, I guess. <laughs> I kindly asked him to uh, bring some Pilsner-Urkvel beer for us, at least virtually, but uh, it seems the pandemic doesn't allow it. <laughs> so, um, thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome. Thank you very much for being here. Thank you very much for accepting our invitation, respectively, uh, Rick and mine, to uh, a record session of a new episode of uh, the series uh, Poets of the East, one of the few series in the world which uh, uh, take care, which try to dedicate themselves to the world poetry under this uh, very beautiful uh, motto of Poets of the East. The East from the moment we, uh, from the place we are, the East as the place where the sun is rising, the East as a place where we can look at with hope, with uh, the sensitivity and uh, with the expectation of uh, uh, the talent of uh, the poets. And what we are trying to do here is always to always invite uh, poets with a lot of talent, poets with a lot of sensitivity, poets which have a lot to say. Welcome here, uh, Sue Wallace Hattad. Welcome from uh, from uh, United Kingdom. Uh, welcome Peter Schrager from Romania. Welcome Andrei the Czech Republic. Uh, three very different individualities, three very different, but in the same time, very talented poets. Uh, three voices, which each of them is individual through something, uh, through uh, uh, something else. I have already mentioned that better. Unique. Unique. That's right. Uh, you mean uh, European Union of National Institutes of Culture, of course. Uh, uh, unique, you know. Uh, and uh, uh, I have already mentioned, better is also a great performer. Besides of being a great poet and writing in five languages, I guess, Sue uh, is one of the most appreciated and admired um, uh, British poets in uh, this moment, and I'm very accepted that she found time to be our guest uh, today. And concerning Andre, uh, I allow myself to call him just like uh, Peter, one of my good friends. Uh, Andre is uh, the, uh, not only a young poet and uh, a novelist from the Czech Republic, a very talented and appreciated one, but also one of the sentence of the Czech Republic within the SILA program. SILA meaning uh, uh, SILA meaning uh, a program that boosts, that is boosting, that is stimulating a young uh, the translators. We met with this occasion. I happened to be uh, his translator into uh, into Romanian, and I really like what he's uh, what he's writing. He's one of the uh, most poets within his uh, generation. Ladies and gentlemen, and I think it is no necessary, but it is just my pleasant duty to introduce Rick Spisa to you, to our guests. I, I'm sure everybody knows him. Nevertheless, um, nevertheless, it's worth always saying and repeating and stressing that he's not only a poet, not only a professor, not only a performer, not only, an, as he says, an information sculptor, but also, uh, but also a plastic artist, 
um, an experimenter, um, an, an experimenter, and uh, uh, and uh, an artist with an intellectual, which is always searching for new expression meanings. Just just like Peter, I'm I'm sure he's going to present himself to introduce himself through his uh, exquisite spontaneity and uh, erudition, because those two gentlemen are very much alike from this point of view. So, I suggest that now each of the poets would, uh, would present her or himself um, uh, completing, fulfilling what I, uh, what I told until now, and that you will each of you will continue by reading the poems you prepared for today, and I would like to remind you to kindly ask you to read also some in your own language, uh, in your mother tongue, uh, uh, besides the English translations that you, uh, that you prepared for today. And as uh, I taught a lot of things, I, I learned, sorry, a, lo a lot of things from Rick, uh, but one of the main things I learned is that uh, during his uh, broadcasts, during his, uh, his programs, always ladies first. So, Sue Wallace Haddad, welcome, and once again, thank you for being here, and please tell us something about you and uh, present us uh, the beautiful poems you prepared for today. Ladies and gentlemen, Sue Wallace Haddad. Yeah! <laughs> thank, thank you very much indeed, and thank you for inviting me onto the program. It's wonderful to be able to share my poetry with you. Um, first, I'd like to say I always dreamt as a teenager of traveling to different places. Uh, I studied French at university, and I then worked internationally for the British Council for over 40 years and I married a Sudanese academic, and I've visited Sudan for over 40 years. So I was going to read a selection of poems um, to give you a flavor of, about my life, perhaps, and myself. Um, and I have read a few poems for Rick um, just now about Sudan. I can, I can add in one or two more. I also come from a family of artists, and the visual is very important to me in how I write, and you'll see that from my selection. So the first poem is really a, a, a bit of UK and springtime for you. The Church of Trees. And this has an epigraph by the poet Sean Hewitt from his book Tree of Jesse. As though the heritage of God was hidden in the branches all along. Each tree reaches for heaven, sap rising, confident it can grow, rooted deep in the earth below. Each bud a renewal, a promise of spring, weathering sun and storm. Each branch a yard arm holding crew. Each canopy spreading out in full sail, a ship of whispering souls leaning into the breeze. Each arch blesses the path, casts a mosaic on the forest floor, the dance of sunlight through stained glass. Each vault a place of each vault of green, a place to rest, where wind's caress will thrive my untold sin. And I'd like to take you to Paris um, where, with two poems about um, France. Honey Days, Mouja. I was shown how to fold up a clean sheet in the garden near Nice on days when the mistral was blowing cold. All the green shutters were closed. It was a summer of scents, 
lavender, rose, the garrigue. I learnt to speak French. I brought back a honey pot from Biot, stoppered with cork, full of glass bubbles. It was crafted with the lightness of air under the shade of umbrella trees. Picasso lived in this village, in a mass, for the last years of his passionate life. I was young, just sketching mine out. Student. Lovely. Thank you. Student in Paris, July 1973. I hope some of you have visited Paris. It's a wonderful city. Breakfast of crusty baguette, hot chocolate warm in a wide-rimmed bowl. The clack-clack of scissor gates, hum of the lift descending, clunk as it reaches the ground floor. A few stops on the metro, a girl sitting nearby, on her shoulders, a pet rat. My summer job, to pack salt and pepper pots into cardboard boxes. I clock in and out daily, eat frit in the canteen, learn rather different French. <laughs> And this next one starts in Paris, but um, I was very struck as a young person by Rodin's sculpture, The Kiss. And I saw it first in Paris, um, but then there was a, a traveling exhibition, including uh, an image of it here in the UK, The Kiss. A virgin in Paris, she met the lovers for the first time that afternoon in the Musée de l'Orangerie, stone cold white curved marble approximation of flesh, two heads fused into one. The frisson of their embrace astounded her 16-year-old self. She viewed the couple from every direction, noting the book set aside, the muscled torso, the sweep of skin. She could not imagine being so impassioned, clothes shed, and wondered at the intimacy of their gesture. Fifty years later, she saw the lovers again, still beguiling. She sat down to catch her breath. Very nice. Very, very nice. sensitive, very sensitive. And yes, it reminds me, Paris, I have to admit. <laughs> and I like to... I was going to tell Rick Spizak that in Philadelphia, I visited the Rodin Museum. Mm -hmm. That was created by Jusa Mastbaum, a collector. So you can see there much of the work that you have in Paris in uh, Philadelphia. Thank uh, you. Wonderful. Thank you. I'm going to read two poems, um, one about my daughter and one about my son. The one about my daughter is after Terence Hayes' American sonnet um, called Like Mother, Like Daughter. Sometimes the mother almost sees looking at her daughter, the youth she left behind, a fearless approach to trying things out, the belief that she had plenty of time. She knows her experience, hard won, is not to be dismissed. Corners cannot be cut one snip at a time. Age creeps up like unforgiving ivy. The daughter feels the years slipping by as birthdays career past 30. She is still dreaming of the possible, but reality now grounds her mind. She knows with newfound experience, age cannot be dismissed or denied. She just had her birthday, in fact, so 
she's feeling it even more this week. <laughs> well, happy birthday to her and to her lovely mother. Thank you. And this is my son. Under your skin. You thought you were adopted, as you weren't the same as me. A different color on the paint chart. Curly hair, which wanted to be free. Your father, absent much of the time. Missed sports day, rugby games. Family said you looked a younger him. Your classmate called you names. Once, when very young, you said you wished you could be peach. Surprised me with that choice of word, full of longing, slight reproach. You cannot change your heritage, but now, six foot three, stand tall with confidence and courage, easy in your skin, best of all. Just lovely. Thank you so much. And then as I move into um, slightly more um, political territory, perhaps, although I'm not a political poet, this is a poem I wrote in 2012, um, really when the Middle East was in, in turmoil. Sitting on the outside, the futures we may share are not what we imagine, with polar ice caps melting, land giving way before flood, populations on the move. Who thought Syria would go from bad to worse so quickly? Lives on hold, all fearing what tomorrow will bring. Uncertainty, man-made, or nature's force resurgent. No control, what's to come? Rebuilding lives, endurance. Thank you. I don't, have I got time to read a few more? Absolutely. Okay, I'll keep going. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, this poem was written um, in response to a photograph by the explorer Nansen of a polar bear. And um, it was commissioned by the University of St. Andrews. Walking into an uncertain future. These days he goes hungry. The ice melts beneath his feet as shells shift into the sea, leaving him, like others, a refugee, never at peace. There is no turning back. He doesn't know the rocks will be bare of snow, silent in the face of starvation. He prowls with noble mien, steady pace, blending, but not quite blended into, the polar landscape, the only sign of life occupying the white very nice and um, then I'll just read a couple of short poems from my short collection from Sudan given I've already read some to you Rick <laughs> um, if, I may, if I may kindly ask um, could you add given the fact that the French is so close to you yeah, could yeah. you eventually at the end or when you feel add a poem in French? Oh, well, I have I have got one, but um, I'd have to find it for you, which I couldn't do. Oh, sorry. If, if you don't have it, it's all right. Only just I was so um, enthusiastic about your erudition and about your world, uh, world travels with uh, the British Council and with your memories from Paris that uh, given the fact that each of us is going to read also something in their mother tongue, 
it occurred to me that maybe you could read something in French. But if you don't have it, all right, sorry. We can yes. come back to that. Well, if I can escape to find it, I can read you one. <laughs> we can come back and you can read it after some of the, some of the other poets perform. Absolutely. Okay, all right. Um, well, I will just read um, some Sudan poems. Um, meeting Point, Khartoum. The white and blue Nile, swollen by summer rain, meet as one muddy flow full of life-giving silt. Islands disappear. Fields are inundated. Trees marooned. Solitary. Silent. Ten bridges shoulder the cargo of day-to-day -day life of this expanding city, tethered in age-old mud. And um, I have a lot of um, poems about food and weddings in this collection. This is one about food. A panoply of sweetens. Each one is crafted to tempt the mouth. Sugared almonds, silver and blue pebbles on the wedding beach. Marmul, sweet mounds dusted with icing sugar which crumble in the mouth. Honeyed nougat, packed with pistachio, pale green. Moistabek, golden wheels of deep-fried batter. Small biscuits shaped by nimble fingers, nuts scattered on top. Lozenge-shaped shortbread, spiked by aromatic cloves. All these assembled riches, taken home after the wedding, to be savoured and shared. Thank you so much. Very wonderful. Um, okay. Yes, please. Tell me when I should stop. <laughs> How about one more? One more, okay. I shall read this one, which is about my husband, who was um, an academic and who was um, arrested during the protest. Um, which overthrew the president in Khartoum two years ago. On the outside, February 2019. I look at you sitting there, smiling at ease in white jellabia. No sign of stress, as you tell the family of arrest, being locked up in El Kabar prison, five of you sharing the cell with basic conditions, a hole in the ground. For once, you had no phone. You enjoyed the quiet while the family, in a flurry of worry, scouted desperately for news. We imagined the worst, a beating, even torture, the slow drip of humiliation carving into your skin like water eroding a rock. Then suddenly, here you are free, looking surprisingly good. You just slept for two days, you say, a relaxing sort of hell. Thank you. <laughs> wonderful, really wonderful. It's I mean, this this last poem somehow changes at all the perspective of the other ones. It contains in the same time, besides melancholy, besides uh, missing the loved, beloved, the loved person, besides besides uh, uh, besides the besides fearing for his life, also a trace of humor, and in the same time of. Uh, 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 let's say Sudanese resignation yeah. and uh, accepting the fate somehow. Really wonderful poem. I mean, all of them are wonderful, but this one went directly to my my heart. Thank, Thank you very you. much, Susan. It uh, it was 
a real event, a great event having you here. And uh, as Rick uh, kindly put it, if uh, you happen to manage to find your poem in French, or eventually if you wrote also in other languages among the, all the countries you traveled into, I don't, almost don't dare to happen. Do you happen <laughs> to have a poem in Sudanese? No, I haven't tried that yet. I use um, Arabic words in my poetry or French words, um, but I don't, um, it's very difficult to write in another language, really. But maybe that's a challenge. Uh, tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Don't forget that uh, he has problems uh, not speaking but writing in Romanian. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, there we go. The second part of uh, Miss uh, Sue Wallace Shadad. Just amazing stuff. Right, Misha? Right, and it may have been or it may have seemed incredible until that one but last poem, the one about her husband, but this completely complete, I'm sorry for repeating this, it may sound like a pleonas, but this really complete poetry, this really complete poems, have the privilege of containing also humor, a very fine humor, a very warm, but in the same time, a little bit bitter, self-ironic touch, uh, which only, uh, which only. Uh, uh, emphasizes the finest and uh, their finest and their uh, and their really uh, very high uh, very high quality. Um, I actually, by listening to her, I felt I got again. I reached again that uh, atmosphere, that uh, that kind of uh, poetical state that. Uh, touched all of us uh, when listening for the first time wonderful poems she brought us one week ago when we made this uh, this uh, this recording a really wonderful memory a memory one couldn't eventually uh, ever forget about it sue wallace shadad british uh, english and international poet you know, the other thing I thought that was particularly poignant, here, when she's talking about her husband being arrested by a political, well, un under a political regime, pressure. And yet, at the same time, what we get, as you pointed out, was that subtle humor that here, his reaction was that he was going to sleep through it and he ended up relaxing from it. I mean, how, how beautifully humorous was that when one's expectation of a political arrest was anything but a, a relaxing time, huh? It, it was quite unexpected and uh, very original. Um, maybe I recognize here a little bit from that... Uh, from that so-called British humor, 
on one hand. But in the same time, it is also a very uh, about the very strong character of this lady and uh, and also of uh, of her poetry. Actually, it is quite a way of defying the black destiny which uh, uh, met them uh, in that uh, in that unhappy uh, unhappy country. Uh, just a way of proving that, in spite of it, the destiny being so cruel, so tough to them, they were still stronger than it, or if you want, than him, the destiny, than her, the fate, if we can allow ourselves to substantivize those uh, those uh, uh, those notions, to make them almost make them, let's say, living. I had the feeling that when making fun of uh, the destiny, it was uh, Su Wallace Shaddad was actually uh, was actually uh, fighting physically directly against. Uh, very human and very strong foe enemy that uh, she managed to that she managed to reduce uh, to reduce to silence uh, thanks to her poetical and intellectual and human skills really great an, an experience one can't forget so uh, so easily and now we have another amazing poet. Why don't you just say a few words about Peter? Dear Rick, during our cooperation, there were a lot of tasks I took and I've got. I think this one is among the most difficult because it is very hard to say something about Peter in a couple of words. Peter is a complete poet. He's a performer, translator, an excellent actor, in the same time a very modest person. He's the president of the translations department within the Romanian uh, Romanian Writers Society, and uh, in the same time a very strong voice of the Romanian uh, civic society. Uh, I don't think that if he wanted to do something in a certain field, it is quite impossible that Peter would not manage. If tomorrow he would like to, I don't know, uh, he would like to, uh, uh, to drive a plane or something, to fly to the moon, I'm sure that in a couple of years he would manage to, because besides his uh, exceptional talent, um, he has also a really iron will and nothing could eventually defeat uh, his will. Ladies and gentlemen, Peter Schrager, the Byron poet, the great performer, and the person whose will has been never defeated. So ladies and gentlemen, let us not prolong time anymore. Peter Schrager, a name about which is possible to tell, to talk five long years, um, he's the president of the uh, Literary Translation Department within the Romanian Writers' Union, one of the most original poets of uh, not only of his generation. He's writing not only in Romanian, but also in English, as far as I remember, in German and uh, 
in Spanish, if I'm not right, if I'm not wrong, please correct I me. Have, I have uh, two or three small poems in French and one in Italian. Okay, You're, you know it better for sure. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. He's also a translator and uh, in the same time um, an incommode person for all the political regimes because he would always protest in the name of justice, in the name of rights, in the name of what it is, right? Uh, and therefore he's very respected, respected in Romania. Um, he published uh, um, among uh, about uh, uh, six poetry collections, if I remember well. Um, and uh, the, the, until now, the last of them is called Poems about the Danube, and uh, it appeared uh, it appeared last year in uh, uh, in Romania. Uh, and uh, he's also the editor in chief of the Fitralit Review, the only uh, literary magazine specialized in literary translations and theory literary translations in Central and Eastern Europe. Uh, it is uh, really a matter of uh, prestige. Uh, cooperating with uh, this uh, with this magazine which manages being a combination between a scientific and uh, literary one better if i forget forgot something please complete fulfill yourself welcome thank you very much brother in poetry and in spirit instead of speaking about me as a poet i'm going to write uh, to write, to read you a poem. Oh, I thought you wanted to write, to write the poem just now. No. You are able to do it. Yeah. It's, it's called About the Poet, and it appeared in uh, this anthology in Greece. Yes. Ah, anyway. Uh, okay. I wanted just to show it, but I don't know if I have. Yes, yes, it's all right. It, you see? It's a little bit, please. Okay, okay. And uh, yeah. about the poet. Time passing crumbles the poet. His face, a statue of marble, torn by time, split from form. The poet's face dies away in the grace of the sculpture. It lives from the light of some lines and curves. Imagination rounds off the poet's countenance. Imagination bears the poet's countenance. His eyes blinded. Essence escapes from his understanding. Music does not pour onto his lips, up his hands. Music wears off. Music disembodied. The poet loses his voice. The being of the poet is no more. The poet melts down into the hole. The poet finds an emperor. The poet discovers its forms. His voice arches into a spiral. His voice becomes a sphere. His voice opens the sea. Uh, and now, because I'm starting to write, uh, to read from my book about Greece, as you see, 
I'll open a beer, Mythos beer from Greece. <laughs> oh, great. And only now I can read you from the book. At the heart of the olive tree, the lioness turned to white wood when she had uttered her last sounds, looking out at the sunset before the sun sank into the ever-blue sea. But each morning, the lioness's eyes open the sky, and I see her desert groaning and the beach shivers in fear as the sea weaves her power into its waters, rocking huge waves to the sandy shores before she turns herself again into silent white wood. Beautiful. <laughs> and that's from the book that appeared recently, last year. It's uh, about the Danube. And uh, here is a, um, uh, a poem written about the Danube. Where is the moon, the full moon? We asked her last night to watch over the Danube to see how water swallows up space. We let the moon to watch over its shadows and listen to the fish flying over the city. Where is the moon, the full moon? She covers the waters in her yellow color. Jealous, she cannot swim, jostling with the arms of the Danube. Where is the moon, the full moon? watching over the Danube to its last turn when the sea eats up its waters and turns the stream into the promised oblivion. Where is the moon, the full moon, blending its tears into the wayward, worry waterway and becoming Danube? Where is the moon? The full moon, hidden to our eyes as an estranged sphere of deceit, turning invisible in full daylight. Where is the moon? The full moon. I have never thought for bits and pieces, but for the bounty of the full moon, the black and white sphere never moving, but in our minds, in your strange gaze, in your eyes and blink and become the full moon. Beautiful. And it's uh, one uh, poem, I must explain just a little. Brat Islava is the capital of Slovakia, but in uh, Slavic, Brat means brother and Slava means grace. I interpreted brat as brother and Slava as sister. Brat is Slava. I'm riding into a feeling. I'm riding to Bratislava. Slava, oh Bratislava, Slava, Slava, to you, brat, brat, 
Bratislava, where is my brother? Brat, from the Danube-ridden city, from the fog-cloaked hills. He lost his soul. Brat, oh, brat, moe. And he seems to have lost himself to utter despair to the all-encompassing morning fog. His heart gone because he doesn't find me any longer. He is as if cut in half, bleeding, bleeding out. But I, the poet, see her, I feel her all the way, all the spirit, all the body. She is there, yes, she is, but she lost her brother, and she's walking wrapped in sorrow, for such a long time, and she must find her brother too, her desperate brother, her lost brother, to become one again. Oh, and I see her, Slava, Slava, laughing her way to the Danube shore. She has been waiting for 100 years after she has feasted and rejoiced. Her only desire is to find her brother. She's swimming her way down the Grand River and feels no coldness. Oh. Oh. You don't see that performance. Yeah, yeah, the beer fell, you know. <laughs> she's, her, she's swimming her way down the Grand River and feels no coldness. She forgets about the flow. She doesn't feel the January snowflakes falling swiftly over her wet shoulders. She doesn't succumb to the freeze. Now, one hundred years later, fulfilled, fulfilled with one hundred years of freedom, she finally finds her lost brother. And there, again, Bratislava. That's wonderful. I, 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 I worked for three years in Bratislava, so it's bringing back wonderful memories. Yes, and uh, now from the third book, it's a book about, um, yeah, the beer uh, is spilled over. <laughs> so, Write a poem. Write a poem. Uh, Make a performance. So the cherries, the, uh, it's a book that I wrote <laughs> uh, together with Klaus Ankers, and each uh, wrote his bit. Uh, and it's about the wonderful poet uh, Argezi, Tudor Argezi, and uh, we were so mesmerized by the beauty there. And I'm going to, to, to read you one. We wrote it in English, he wrote it in Danish, translated in English, and it's a bilingual edition in English and Romanian. So, I forgot to walk, now I'm gliding on air, speeding through space carried by the perfume of cherries, rising to the morning sun, risen to the morning sun, the young sun, sending off the night, bound to darkness, and the young sun, fresh sun, rising sun, takes light and warmth, a barely lit sun, bites its way into the day with a gust of wind. I'm riding on a gust of wind, tasting the young sun, tasting its shy color and the deep red, dark red, 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 red cherries. The sun 
bestowing color to the landscape, bestowing spirit to the landscape that now has a heart again, beating heart, beating mellow, beating lovely, and it bears a name, Argezi. Yes, it's true, a new day is born. Argezi, zi, Argezi, zi. Uh, it's interesting that Argezi, that Argezi in itself has, in Romanian, zi means day. Zi. And now it's something that I wrote uh, to, also from the same book, uh, uh, my friend Klaus Arkans and uh, um, Angersen is doing, who wrote the second part of this uh, uh, collection, uh, is doing uh, yoga. And I saw him as a guru in a photo, and then I wrote this poem that, in a way, it's dedicated to him. I will become a guru, and wisdom will trickle from my mouth, the water of the holy river, the Ganges, chooses to flow on air, never touching the earth. Man's water suspends in the thin air. So I start again, yeah, okay? I will become a guru and wisdom will trickle from my mouth as the waters of the holy river, the Ganges, chooses to flow on air, never touching the earth. Immense waters suspended in the thin air. I will river to you and you will drink me, my words to their ultimate meaning, the words I haven't uttered yet. And you will know, and you will know the truth. I will become a guru, and life will lie in my eyes, lighting, lightning, sparking through the dark and ignorance. I will give you the light of my eyes, all my light, to keep it in yours, and I will show you the way I'm going to speak soft, slow, sweet words that pierce through mighty brick walls. I will say unsaid words, and people are going to flock around me, awe-stricken, because my words will be their bread and water. The guru talks, the guru talks, the guru talks. My words will touch air, dark red, heated, heavy, heaving, dusk air, ripe air, air, finding its voice, rustling to awesome autumn leaves, and the wind will start your hearts. I will speak, silence, 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 silence. The guru talks, the guru talks, the guru and you will take in the meaning that it always a feeling to its full as if your soul and you wear it day in, day out. It's now your skin and your flesh and bones and it becomes you and it becomes you. Now you are a good. I think it's uh, enough. We have many. I thank you very much, and I'm going to finish the 
beer that remains after this overflow of joy that comes only from Greece, from ancient Greece to the present. I guess it comes from the Danube, from Bratislava. Yeah. So you may have some Danube in your in your bottle now. Yeah, my veins, of course. Better. And of course, you'll read something in uh, Romanian. Romanian. Better. Uh, can, can, can I? May I kindly ask you one of your performative things, Uzi? Uh, what do you refer to? What poem? Uzi. 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 Mam. Your choice, my friend. Your choice. Your choice. Tell me once more. Your choice. Any one of your poems that you'd like to read in Romanian. Okay. Oh, it's such a pity. Okay. Some, some, uh, okay. That's from the uh, Daniel. Okay. Book. La Pus de Martie. It means at the end of March. Încă pe lumină, pe malurile Dunării Reci, dar iubitoare de țărm, ca să știe marginea, simt cum peștii se bucură atât de mult de curgere. De ce peștii sunt curgerea pe care noi nu o vedem, o simțim așa a idomă unei pale de vânt aruncându-se din întâmplare pe luciul apei, prăzdând apa, tăiind apa în valuri? Curgerea, curgerea care ia tot și trupul și sufletul și gândul și o duce departe până la Marea Neagră. Așa învățăm noi să devenim curgere, așa ne preafacem din cuvânt, carne, oase, în Dunăre, în curbura Dunării, în valvânt de Dunăre, în curgerea Dunării, ne prefacem într-un târziu, în crap și somn și știucă de Dunăre, până începem fără cuvinte să închidem și să deschidem gura. Am devenit strălucind la sol doar ochi și mișcare. Thank you. Thank, Thank you, you so very much. much. Thank you very much, Peter. Um, I kindly ask our guests and uh, also Rick the permission to do something I haven't done until now during this series. That means reciting from my memory, which is not very good, a poem by Peter Schrager, um, a poem that he recites much better than me, of course, but I guess he didn't understand when I kindly asked him to to read this. I will try to do it instead of him. Peter, I apologize. It no won't problem. be as great as you can do it. Jack. Uzi. Jacuzzi. Uzi. Uzi. Jacuzzi. Hum. 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 Hum.
improvised with the best results. I have to stress something also. Sometimes those improvisations are, don't have the best results. Sometimes improvisations can be superficial, can be unconvincing. Not in this case, because on one hand, uh, formally uh, spontaneous uh, poetry, poem recitation is almost, almost always very well and carefully prepared from the point of view of the, the direction of the screenplay. And on the other hand, when someone is at Petter's level, he or she doesn't all, almost doesn't need any any uh, any other directions or any other preparations before. Petter is able to improvise as convincingly, as seriously, as complex uh, as he he is able to write, to read his poems uh, when having prepared this for uh, for a respectable respectively uh, uh, long time. Rick, please allow me to. Uh, mention a short story here from the time when Peter and thank you thank you thanks a lot Peter and me were invited in Bulgaria for founding the association of the Balkan writer writers um, it was an uh, it was an event very well organized uh, the Bulgarian part really make uh, made uh, all the diligences and it was really a great organization, a great event. Only because of time reasons, only one thing was not there. Uh, some reading, some poetry reading. But where's Peter Schrager, there will also be also uh, a poetry reading. And just in the, just in the, before the hotel's reception, without being prepared, without having prepared in any way this, Peter started to read, actually to improvise, to recite, to perform his poems. Believe me, that in one minute and a half, nobody paid attention to anything else within that hotel hall, but to Peter. So one can say that besides all that wonderful, great organization of our, uh, of the events of our, by our Bulgarian, uh, Bulgarian friends, this came as a kind of coronation as a kind of crown at the end uh, at the end of the event people started uh, to applaud uh, better and uh, even if it was everything in a com combination of uh, this uh, dada uh, language of uh, english of romanian of french and some of them which were there some of the people being there didn't understand uh, understand only bulgarian they frantically applaud him just because because they were understanding, they were intuiting uh, what uh, they had the intuition of what was happening there. And I even uh, I even heard a young Bulgarian girl uh, asking uh, to uh, to a young Bulgarian boy, "Do you know who is he?" No, I'm not. I don't know, but I'm sure he's famous. <laughs> I think you make an interesting point. And it, I think if you look at the ancient beginnings of poetry, it was in ritual. It was in live presentation. It was that fantastic storyteller, uh, people like Homer and others like him, 
whose story was so powerfully told that it lives across the centuries. So I think poetry and live performance of poetry has just a very, very ancient and noble lineage. Very interesting point. Yes, I have to admit I didn't think too much on it. But yes, it is a very interesting point. On one hand, poetry was much more an inseparable uh, part of our lives. More than this, when using poetry with uh, classical rhythm and rhyme, it was not only because of the musicality, but also because of pragmatical reasons. Because if rhyming, it was easier to understand and it was easier to retain. It was easier to remember. And maybe, yes, at that time, maybe this is also one of the, how should I put it, subliminal, one of the hidden, unexpected roots of today's performing poetry. Actually, what did, why did performing poetry appear after thousands of years when poetry had its very uh, precise role within the social and cultural uh, life of, uh, of mankind. Why, after uh, advancing so much on this uh, uh, method of uh, academically writing poetry, why did felt at once uh, like, uh, like reinventing uh, poetry in the form of Dada or like reinventing the poetry recitation in the form of performing poetry. Just maybe, I suppose, under the influence of your, uh, of your ideas, you, of the ideas you mentioned before, maybe for giving back, giving back to the poetry of the authentical spirit, of the, of the truth, of, the, of uh, that flux of... Uh, of uh, real, of authentic, uh, authentic exist existence, because until the end, performing poetry is a poetry very much penetrated by the authentic existence. Well, I can't agree with you more. Um, why don't we go ahead and mention the coming up next, Andre? Andre Muscle. Actually, it was, he was, uh, he is a third point that ensures the perfect balance of uh, those three so well-balanced points we invited, uh, we invited today. Uh, he's a storyteller, a poet, one of the best poets of, in the Czech Republic in their uh, late 20s. Um, He's also a novelist, uh, a very talented one, and in spite of being very young, he's already quite known, quite famous in Europe. He has already been translated in a couple of, uh, in a few uh, languages. And besides being a very talented author, a very talented poet and novelist, he has also some peculiar talents. And I suggest that we let our listeners to discover them by themselves. What do you think, Rick? I think that's a splendid idea. Once again, another in a long series of excellent recommendations. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is. 
I think I mentioned what it was important to say about Andre. Andre, please, if you feel you would like to add something else about yourself, please be so kind and edit your, in spite of your very young age, your literary activity is so rich that I think only the author himself, that means you, would be able to, uh, to describe it the way it should. Maybe I would add only two elements that together with Andre, we are now preparing anthology of young Czech poetry, poets under 35, and uh, we are also projecting, we are uh, discussing about a possible anthology of uh, lady poets, of young Czech poets for, for uh, September. We'll see if we hope to, uh, to manage it, to put it, to put it together. So, Andrzej Matzel, Vite, welcome. My pleasure to be here you with this call. I can just add, I am a social worker, it's my job, and I've decided to read from my first book, which is called I Love My Grandma More Than I Love Young Women. <laughs> to be honest, it's not uh, classical poetry, only uh, my uh, uh, publish, publisher thinks it is, so people are confused. What is it? From my point of view, uh, so uh, the book, uh, from my point of view, it's a kind of uh, collection of my personal touches or impressions, something between love confession, let's say, and the theory or theory of love in general. Maybe it's good to mention before because you know very well Bratislava, that uh, my book is originally uh, written in two languages, in Czech and Slovak, because you very well know uh, there was a country called Czechoslovakia almost all the 20th century. But when I was a child, the country was separated. So part of my family is Slovak and the second is Czech. So the book uh, is, uh, or my grandma is Slovak. And I am Czech, uh, she is old, she is ill, I am young, and we are trying to find the relationship uh, uh, and this separation, this historical separation is not so, it's, it's not a barrier for us. So that's one of the motives of or one of the team, themes in this book. So I, I will start to read. Nature's most beautiful gift is life. Life's most beautiful gift is youth. Youth's most beautiful gift is love. No, I am not bringing consolation. At best, a collection of the reflections of my hopeless love. I wanted to write currently, clearly, literally. But the text fell apart in my hands, just like my grandma's body, like my feelings for her. It ended up similar to that animal into which my grandma inadvertently breathed life with her brush. I was going to draw a dog, but it looks more like a cow. 
except it has no horns. I've no idea what I've drawn here. Sensation. No fewer than three sturdy fellows dragged Grandma up the church stairs today. Well, at least I'll give them something to remember. If only one could preserve those moments in which nothing special happened. It's one giant leap for grandma and absolutely nothing for mankind, Neil Armstrong. <laughs> I know that I know nothing. Socrates, stuck in her head thanks to TV quiz shows. Where do you know him from? The factory? Yeah, he worked at the drawing board next to me and wore a striped shirt. Anti-romantic. She never got drunk. She fled all the skips immediately after she helped decorate the dance hall. Her harshest swear word was Jiminy. She never saw, had no need to see, the sea. She never climbed the mountain peak. She'd been abroad only once, a work outing, no distinctive impressions. Television. A combination of the microwave oven, oven and puppet theater. originally purchased as an attractive companion to grandma's solitude. A destructive voice with no ears. Later, an intruder in the time of our visit. I visited with a view to the TV program, so as not to disturb her favorite shows. And when sometimes we had nothing to say to each other, it was I who turned the TV on. Dust gathers on anything long untouched. While dusting, there's the new dust peeling off my hands. Dust is born even when I touch you. Cosmetics. Color against gray hair. Cream against wrinkles. What about the beauty of gray hair, wrinkles? Or the beauty of the beloved in all her changes, the cosmic beauty? Kiss. 
one time I came to the hospital when she was down with the flu and so I had to put on a plastic coat, a face cloth, a pair of gloves. How terrible! Kissing her mouth through a face cloth, shaking her hand through a glove. Garbage. I've broken a cup. Should I throw it away and buy a new one? This one's uh, got uh, the Virgin Mary on it. No demon of disintegration. All you loved will be carried to the dustbins, bazaars, dressing rooms and cellars by your closest ones. Prečo tak poske krásna pani dalo sud na len dohromady. Prečo tak poske, kdo len to povie nám? Mladosť už dávno odletela, spomienky lásky zanechala a život plyne vďal. Zostal Grandma, I love a young girl, and just like you, we'll be spending most of our time together in bed. Oh, that was uh, some extracts from the book, uh, and you heard the song in Slovak. So maybe done. If you wish, I can read uh, one short poem in Czech as well to compare, maybe. <laughs> if you can sing something in Czech too, it would be great. <laughs> ah, maybe, maybe because yeah. <laughs> I will think about it. Znáš jej od Buchlova? Znáš jej od Buchlova? Jej od Buchlova. We'll see, we'll see. We'll see, we'll see. So I start with a short poem, which is about dogs. Uh, especially about my dog, uh, which was with me only one month, but uh, it was a very great experience for me. for the document. Uh, ah, here is it. So now I start in check. Předtucha. 
lidé žádné duše nemají. Někteří z nich ale mají psa. Je blíž než měsíc, když jdou spát. Oliže je v půlce devátého senu a tak mu vylezou doplnit obsah misky a ještě ho přidrbnou za uchem. Ocásek šermuje s prázdnotou a dojista má navrh. Nedlouho po svítání se vydají na cestu kolem sousedského lesa. Očuchat si teritorium a sem tam stříknout vlastní zlaté achma. Vodítko se roztahuje, hned zastahuje a pouto je nejpevnější, když jdou na volno. V každé ulici jsou truhly z poklady, takzvané popelnice. A každý sloup je totem nepoznané kultury. Pejskař zdraví pejskaře a psi se otáčejí za svými zadečky jak bájný had u roboros. Kdo jde víckrát denně za svým psem, je nejmoudřejší z cestovatelů. Jen prosím, nečuchat k mrtvému kohoutovi. I kdyby vám ležel u branky, honem zvedněte psa na prsa a vracejte se domů z pděloský, jako byste přecházel otrávenou řeku. A... Ani vy se po něm neohlížejte. Možná ho odteď budete muset překračovat každý den. Velmi citlivé, opravdu velmi citlivé, Ondřej. A očekával jsem, kam až... I was waiting... Where are you going to lead? Where are you going? How are you going to end this poem? And uh, it was actually this combination between Czech nostalgia and Czech humor and uh, a kind of resignation before the fate in a different way that it was that Sudanese I was talking about a couple of, uh, couple of uh, minutes ago. So, ladies and gentlemen, it was, it is with us Andrei Matsul, Oh, poet, novelist, singer, performer, Czech and Slovak in the same time. I have to admit, I didn't know he was half Slovak or, uh, or uh, 25% Slovak, but uh, a, kind, a couple of things are now more explainable and understandable, uh, including some motives within his uh, wonderful poetry. And ladies and gentlemen, I have to confess something. Uh, most of you, you know me, and you know how much I love the Czech culture, the Slovak culture. I am myself a uh, Czech writing poet, even if I am Romanian. Well, there we have it from Andrzej. My friend, we have uh, two more segments to go through. Uh, Do you want to make any comment at this point? It was just a marvelous work. Really a very original young poet, a very profound one, and uh, a performer of another kind that then uh, Peter Schrager. Uh, it is the intellectual performance versus the performance of uh, folklore inspiration, nevertheless equally 
convincing, equally, uh, equally impressive. I have the feeling we don't have too much time left, uh, so maybe I will shorten my my observations in order to still have time to broadcast to webcast also those two sequences we uh, we still have uh, don't we rick yes we do in fact we've got uh, as a little more recorded material than we have time but uh, let's go and give it a go what do you say okay so let us so let's hear what we uh, what we have uh, what we have recorded and if times remain time remains at the end we will comment there because it is more important for the people, for the listeners to listen to what our guests say. What do you think? Here we go. But I have to tell you, there is someone here who is also Slovak in a very big percent. I'm not going to name him, but I <laughs> kindly, kindly ask him to, uh, to, to uh, name himself. I have the great good fortune to uh, have Slovak parentage on both sides of my family. Uh, my uh, grandparents and great-grandparents came uh, to first New York and then Pittsburgh. I grew up as a young boy in Pittsburgh, then later moved uh, to the south, to Florida. Uh, and uh, it has been... Uh, my heritage to enjoy so much of Slavic culture and uh, I came from a large family my father was one of nine uh, my mother was one of three so I grew up with lots of aunts and uncles uh, who who had that great uh, Eastern European uh, joie de vivre uh, that sense that one could laugh one could cry just like that. And uh, so I grew up with a bunch of very happy and very melancholy people. And uh, that's made the poet that I am today. And I must admit, since I write an awful lot of comedy, I have that uh, ironic twist that comes with so much of Eastern European uh, literature. And I want to offer you, in that same vein, <laughs> and in the vein of the recent dog story, uh, I, I have a little poem here called My Support Stegosaurus. Uh, many of you know that uh, with uh, modern psychology, there has come this idea of support animals, animals that you carry around with you, that you take anywhere to help you maintain mental and psychological equilibrium. So I imagined one day a gentleman walking around with his support Stegosaurus. I need my support, Stegosaurus, Politico informs us. The plates on his back protect us all from attack. The spikes on his tail protect without fail. His cranium's thinth is useful getting inth under doorways into meetings we otherwise wouldn't be seen. But the thing I can contest, and surely you cannot distendeth, Old Steggy is leggy, and the plates on his spine will gentle your mind with their glimmer and shimmer and shine, like a goblet of claret or some other such wine, easing all lethargy and ministering each misery mind. 
I was I really enjoyed uh, living and working in in Bratislava. It's such a wonderful city and so central. I mean, it really makes you understand Central Europe. You know, you can get to all these different other cities. Um, I just wanted to say that I have got this French poem if you want to hear it, and I have a small yes, one about Bratislava as well. Please do. Okay, well, I wrote it in English, and then I translated it into French. So would you like it just in the French? Indeed. Okay. La danse des oiseaux de l'écluse. Les pistons, avec des crêtes rouges et blanches, élongent le corps, laissent passer l'eau en formation réglée. Le bateau tangue d'un côté à l'autre, heurte le mur. Notre guide se maintient debout, raconte l'histoire du canal Saint-Martin. Ici, l'hôtel du Nord est préservé, l'endroit où roman est devenu film. Là-bas, l'écluse des morts, où le gibet se trouvait pour 60 citoyens. Des cascades d'histoire tourbillonnent dans l'eau au cours rapide, pendant qu'on bruit de fond. La voix de Edith Pia fait apparaître le Paris d'antan. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. And really in the spirit of your specific uh, sensitivity. Well, because it was so much here about Czechs and Slovaks, and because Peter, uh, who isn't nor a Czech, neither a Slovak, was so impressed by Bratislava that wrote such a brat slava poem, <laughs> Um, uh, please allow me to actually I can't say recite because this uh, short poem of mine is actually inspired by a discussion I heard at a nearby table in a restaurant in Prague you may know it Andrei it is called Brevnovska Krčma that means the Brevnov pub one of the how should I put it very popular and picturesque uh, restaurants under the under the Prague castle. There were there, almost like here now, um, a gentleman from the United States, um, a gentleman from the Czech Republic, and a gentleman from the Slovak Republic. And uh, it was uh, quite an understandable or quite, uh, quite difficult, understandable for the gentleman from America, why Czechs and Slovaks split it. And uh, he asks, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember just the answers as they were, and I put them in these poems. Um, tell me, please, are Czechs and Slovaks really so different? The Czech answers. Uh, well, um, I don't know about uh, Slovaks, but we Czechs uh, we are very very different. Slovaks uh, are different of us. They have cows, they have uh, pigs, they uh, make cheese, they call it brinza. So, you see, they are very, very different. Specific differences, Slovak point of view. Yes, we are very, very different, but not different in general, just different from Czechs. We don't need them. We have everything we need. We have pigs. We have 
sheep, we have cows, we make cheese, we call it brinza, we, it is ours, and it is very personal, we just don't bring it to checks, because it is ours, and we are very, very different. <laughs> and uh, if the time uh, if the time comes and if we have time and uh, if Rick confirms having time here I would kindly ask Andre maybe to sing something in Czech if he reminds some other or any song he wants of course if you wish yeah I found uh, one song I like it's very short uh, it's song uh, composed by Jiří Bulis. It's great composer and songwriter uh, with a bit tragical destiny. Uh, and the song uh, is called Don't Leave Me. It's very easy text, like don't leave me, don't leave me. And if you leave me, don't return and let's forget everything, something like that. <clears throat> Neodchazej, neodchazej, a půjdeš-li, už se nevrátej, tak už se nevrátej. Až písek dnů, až písek dnů, až písek dnů, od vánou deště a odplaví deště, pak na vše zapomenout dej. Pak na vše zapomenout dej. Thank you so very much. Some European melancholy here. Pure Czech melancholy. Yeah. Yes, that's a really... 100% quality. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And also uh, one of uh, the most prolific and most sensitive composers. It uh, used to be also one of my uh, one of my favorites. So, ladies and gentlemen, today we traveled among so many countries, among so many capital cities. We even sung. I mean, I mean, the ones which are able to sing did it. Because if I tried to sing only in case of fire for evacuating people from the room. Uh, so, there were so many references to different languages. Okay, with focus on Central Europe, on Czech and Slovak, okay, it is right. But ladies and gentlemen, are we poets, world citizens? Uh, before we start with uh, this discussion, I just want uh, to, to please um, uh, my friend uh, uh, Mircea Danduce. Whom do you and, mean? Yes, to please and um, to read in a non-existent uh, language, the Dada language, 
one poem because you speak about real performance, pure performance. So uh, this uh, poem is called Dada Nights. Dada, no nights, no nights. Dada, no light, no, 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 no day. Da, no, da, no. Da, da, night, night. Da, 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 no, da. Da 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 no da 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 no 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 da 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 no da no da no da no da no da da no da da night night da da no da no da no da no da no da 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 Night. Very nice. Okay. Uh, really wonderful. And Rick, I think you agree. This is the most performative episode we had from the beginning of our uh, of our series. Maybe it could be an inspirational source to make it completely performative. What do you think? Um, yes, I think that's a splendid idea. And when we have poets who have that special strength, that ability to really convey their work, uh, to have such a great poet in Dadaist uh, was just remarkable. Each voice tonight as, as is just wonderful and uh, fills my heart, and I, I'm sure you feel the same way, how wonderful that it could be. Really great. Thank you. Thank you for this uh, very kind and generous appreciation, Rick, and uh, thank you also for your generous love to poetry, to universal poetry, and uh, yes, I have to admit it, with that nice and wonderful focus on Central Europe that means so much for each of us, and uh, if it was uh, an episode of uh, of uh, performative art, of the performative art, it was also a little bit of an episode of confessions, I I guess. Well, my friend, that was one amazing show. It was stellar. You know how they say when they talk about spatial days, and uh, let it be in a positive or a negative way, one of those days. In this case, in a very positive way, I guess, one of those shows. A rich one, a complex one, a spontaneous one, a diverse one. Well, I guess I don't want this to to sound like a kind of, uh, of a self-appreciation for our serial, but I guess it was one of the most uh, special, one of the most uh, uh, beautiful episodes we we managed within this uh, within this uh, serial. Those are really poets of the East, actually poets of the world. Well, my friend, thank you all as always uh, for just a tremendous selection of poets. And uh, I, I can only say I'm forever in your debt for helping us 
pulled together these amazing, amazing, talented people. And uh, beyond that, I'm going to say I'll see you next week, huh? Well, looking forward to it, and we'll see what other surprises are waiting for us and for our listeners. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have a good evening, my friend. I'll send us out with a little bit of music. All the best. Goodbye. Have a nice, beautiful Saturday. Thank you. I've traveled around this country From shore to shining shore It really made me wonder The things I heard and saw I saw the weary farmer A-plowing far and lone I heard auction hammer just a knocking down his home but the banks are made of marble with a guard at every door and the vaults are stuffed with silver that the farmer sweated for I've seen the seamen standing idly by the shore And I heard their bosses saying Got no work for you no more But the banks are made of marble With a guard at every door And the vaults are stuffed with silver That the seamen sweated for I've seen the weary miner Scrubbing coal dust from his back And I've heard his children crying Got no coal to heat the shack But the banks are made of marble With a guard at every door And the vaults are stuffed with silver That the miners sweated for I've seen my brothers working Throughout this mighty land I prayed we'd get together And together make a stand Then we might own those banks of marble With a guard at every door And we would share those balls of silver that we have sweated for. And with that, my brother, I'm going to say have a wonderful day and stay safe, my friend. Bye-bye. All the best. All the best. Wonderful.